few things spoil a visit to a majestic national park than the noise of helicopters and low-flying airplanes. Now, the group Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, more peer, says their lawsuit has pushed the FAA to implement an air traffic management plan for national parks. Peer senior counsel Paula Dinnerstein talked about the suit with Tom Temin. So the FAA, as I understand it, was supposed to be doing this for almost 20 years now. Give us the background and what prompted the lawsuit. So the um, National Park Air Tour Management Act was passed in the year 2000. Um, And as you say, there's nothing like helicopter noise overhead to spoil a visit to a national park, especially if you're trying to get into the backcountry and wilderness and feel that you're away from civilization and things are quiet and you can hear the sounds of nature. So Congress passed this act and they basically gave the National Park Service and the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, two years to come up with these air management plans for parks that could restrict things like the time of day of flights, the amount of flights, where they go, the altitude, um, all in order to protect park resources, which includes both the visitor experience and the wildlife um, which also can be damaged by this noise of these overflights. So um, unfortunately, the uh, FAA and the Park Service did not succeed in coming up with these plans um, for many years. And from what we understand, the FAA simply was not willing to put the kind of restrictions on overflights that the National Park Service wanted, and there were disagreements, and they just weren't able to come up with anything. I guess it sounds like Um, the FAA might have been influenced by some of the operators, the tour operators, the flight operators. Yes, possibly, and I think that although, you know, we don't see a conflict in the missions of the two agencies because the mission of the FAA is to make sure that air travel is safe, and that airspace is used efficiently. And that doesn't really conflict with the Park Service mission, which is to protect the parks. Um, Because if you had fewer flights uh, or more restricted flights, it's certainly not going to impact safety in a negative way. But the FAA, I think, sees itself, I don't, you know, have documentation of this, but I believe they see themselves as a booster of air traffic, and they really didn't want restrictions. And a question Um, also comes up, where was Congress in all this? Generally, when they pass legislation with a deadline, they check up and see if the deadline was at least met. Well, often they don't. Um, I mean, we have filed uh, in, in other areas of law, you know, completely different from this one, several different what they call unreasonable delay cases. Um, where Congress passed a law, told an agency to do something, and, you know, many years later they they haven't done it. And so we have to go to the courts to get it enforced. And I guess my other question would be, where why didn't the National Park Service exert more influence, or did they just beat on a door that nobody answered? Well, I think the um, FAA is the lead agency here, and I think the Park Service, um, you know, simply was not able to get their way, um, these plans and environmental documents for the plans have to be signed by both agencies in accordance with the law. And so if one agency is not willing, um, nothing happens. We're speaking with Paula Dinnerstein. She's senior counsel at Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility. So Peer filed a lawsuit. Tell us about that and what the result has been so far. 
So we filed a lawsuit alleging that the uh, FAA and the Park Service, because they're jointly responsible, had what we call unreasonably delayed doing what they are required to do by statute, which is establish these air tour management plans. They also have a um, a possibility of instead getting voluntary agreements from operators over a park. However, there's really no incentive for the operators to enter these voluntary agreements if there's no uh, threat behind it that if you don't do it, we'll have an air tour management plan. So they did not succeed. They've only succeeded in getting two of these voluntary plans in the entire nation and no air tour management plans. Um, so we filed suit, and after we filed suit, um, in the response that the agencies filed, um, they claim that they have sort of started a new approach to this that will be more successful and um, that warrants the court staying its hand. Um, they haven't really done very much um, in our view. Um, what they've done is they've said, you know, from now on, on, we're going to keep these air tour management plans in reserve in case voluntary agreements can't be reached or don't work. And we're going to start with voluntary, trying to get voluntary agreements in uh, a list of seven parks that they submitted to the um, court. So, you know, we see this as kind of a, an effort to say that they're doing something in order to stop the court from giving them a more demanding order, um, but they really haven't done anything yet. <laughs> All they've done is sure. say, we're going to, um, and they've only even said, uh, for that purpose, they've only even covered um, seven parks, and some of those, well, two of them in particular, don't have any overflights at all, so they're kind of picking the low-hanging fruit and not promising any schedule at all for the remaining close to 20 parks, 18 or 20 parks, that also are required to have these plans under the Act. All right, so you got them a little bit off the dime, but it sounds like right. your, your thought is they're still foot-dragging. What is the status of the suit, and could a judge rule on this at some point? Yeah, so we, um, we filed a reply, and we said, you know, that we don't think that what they have promised really meets their statutory requirements or is enough to get the court to stay its hand because there's nothing really definite there. Um, and now it's up to the court to decide what to do. They could order oral argument, or they could just decide, or they could ask for more briefing. You know, we just have to see what the court does next. It's in their hands. And is there evidence that the public has had a chance to weigh in at all on this? I mean, what do is there any body that says people are annoyed by all of this? I mean, there's probably anecdotal evidence, and having been to some mm -hmm. of the big parks, it is annoying when all that aircraft is flying over, right. but is that a factor in this case? Well, they have an advisory committee that was created by the Act and uh, includes some environmental representatives. You know, one of them is one of our plaintiffs, um, and I think they've been complaining for many years. <laughs> Um, we also have, you know, in connection with our case, we submitted 14 declarations from people who are disturbed by these air tour flights in all of the parks that were named in our complaint. Um, you know, people who are either just 
visitors, hikers, or people who have tour companies, people who are photographers, people who are sand, soundscape recorders, um, attesting to how these overflights have affected them. You know, and we're talking about things like um, we have a couple parks in Hawaii uh, where, unlike most of the nation, um, where the air tours tend to be uh, concentrated in the summer in Hawaii, they're year-round. They have literally thousands of them. And, you know, people are being, sometimes they're out there and every 15 minutes a helicopter comes by. You know, other people are telling us that they, for instance, in Glacier Park in Montana, you know, that they hike for a couple days um, to try to get somewhere, you know, that's completely out of civilization, and they're buzzed over by these helicopters uh, way out there. Um, so, you know, all these people gave their testimonials as to how this situation affects them personally. Paula Dinnerstein is Senior Counsel at Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Still ahead on Federal News Radio, HHS isn't just talking about blockchain technology, it's actually putting it into production. That's next on the Federal Drive with Tom Temin on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu, in for Tom. We all have a lot on our plates. Work, kids, relationships. And sometimes it can be hard to just catch a breath. When life is go, 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 it matters where you stay. Hilton's family of brands is team members dedicated to making you feel truly cared for so you can mentally check out before you even check in. Take the break you deserve and book your next stay on Hilton.com. Hilton, for the stay. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.